Uh, hello again, Tom Walker, MassAct Unit 1. Today is Tuesday, July 19th, 2022. We just wanted to do another podcast since we hadn't done one in a while and uh, catch up on some, uh, some pretty big ticket items here. Um, and once again, I am joined by our superintendent, Jason Hayes. Thanks, Tom. Yeah, I looked back. I think our last podcast was May 17th or May, something like that. So it's been almost two months. We didn't make one in June. is a busy time, but we've had a lot going on. So I think we have some good topics to cover here today if uh, everyone will bear with us. Yeah, so we won't try to spend too much time on these. We just wanted to kind of get some information out there and dispel some uh, myths and rumors and, and, and just different, you know, talks that may be going around the community. Um, but just, you know, kind of how it stands uh, from our viewpoint with a few things. Uh, first, we're going to uh, start start off with the uh, JAPA feasibility study, um, which, um, and I'll just kind of give a little bit of a background on that. That was undertaken to analyze the feasibility of actually combining uh, the school district of JAPA Maple Grove 38 and our school district, Massac Unit 1, into one school district. So do you want to kind of dive into that a little bit? Yeah, just, just yeah, I think it's good to just kind of talk about that a little bit because a lot of people don't understand where that came from. And so it was uh, an issue that came up uh, from Massac Unit 1 first. Uh, it's come up several times from both districts. I think there have been two or three total feasibility studies done. But the, uh, the idea is every once in a while someone asks the question, would it be feasible to combine the two school districts because neither school district is very large. Massac Unit 1 is really not that large compared to most school districts in uh, Illinois, not just Southern Illinois, and then Joppa, of course, is not either. Uh, and so a lot of people ask the question, shouldn't Massac County, as uh, rural populated as it is, couldn't it uh, afford to just have one school district? So it's simply a question. It's a study. It's an in-depth study to look at that and is there any way, there's multiple ways to combine school districts, is there any way that combined school districts would benefit students and the taxpayers of both taxing districts? So that's what happened. Uh, Tom, you were with us. We started collecting this information last August, I believe. Yeah, the, uh, the, the people that were set aside to do the feasibility study uh, were, I guess, sent from, the, sent from the State Board of Education. They're approved. There's an approved uh, list of firms that do that, and we picked one of them that was approved. And Dr. Bill Phillips, who also teaches for the University of Illinois, headed that study up. So he's the owner of that firm, I believe. And the data they wanted was, you know, enrollment data, you know, basically how many students have we had historically, how many students do we have now. Uh, they wanted layouts of buildings, what kind of staffing we currently have, uh, what kind of programs we offer. Age of buildings. Yeah, there was just all sorts of information. Bus routes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it was kind of never-ending. I think it felt like we worked on that for a solid week, just kind of getting information to uh, these folks. Um, but at the end of the day, it, it turned out to be kind of helpful for us, too, just to kind of see exactly what we were dealing with uh, from a historical perspective. We kind of see what we have now. But, you know, we don't ever really think about all the times, oh, how was it 15 years ago? Mm -hmm. um, and so that was good to see kind of our, our, you know, we do keep track of trends and stuff. But that was good to kind of put it all together and actually have as our own information as well. Yeah, I wouldn't call it over to a, the state. wouldn't call it a snapshot. But if you look at it, it's a hundred and hundreds of pages of, of information. But it was it was interesting, like you said, Tom, to see. Uh, an in-depth look at our district, and I'm sure Joppa feels the same. So it, it was definitely worthwhile. It was a worthwhile undertaking. It was paid for by the state of Illinois, so neither district had to pay for it. Uh, and basically, it's just a very comprehensive look at at 
what it would look like if we combine these and is it advantageous or is it a disadvantage to combine and sometimes the, the study comes up that way so they presented their findings and the recommendations to both boards at the same time on June 9th uh, just this past June at Shawnee Community College and we were both there uh, it took a couple hours I guess Tom to go through yeah. all that uh, and so they went through all their findings at a PowerPoint and you can find all of this information on the MassAct.org website and again that's MassAct.org and right up at the top uh, in the middle it'll say feasibility study documents it'll take you to a page with all of this uh, and it is uh, an interesting uh, viewpoint to look at all of the uh, information they collected and analyzed for this it was an in-depth this was not a, uh, a whimsical study this was something that took over six months or almost six months to complete uh, but their main point, Tom, was that in the end they had several recommendations, but one of the one the one recommendation that we were really looking at for the whole feasibility study was would it be advantageous to advantageous to combine both districts? And their recommendation was yes, it would be advantageous if MassEC Unit One annexed Joppa Maple Grove. Yeah, so that was uh, what what they decided as far as their you know suggestion or recommendation. Um, and there were some other, you know, things again. And deeper information is available on our website. Um, but kind of uh, moving forward, that with this, the thing that we need to say that is, if both of our school boards agree, the annexation would actually have to go still through additional processes. So kind of we're at the step right now where I believe Joppa Maple Grove has recently approved a resolution to actually move forward uh, with the annexation in question. Um, at their last regular board meeting, and I want to say that was within the last two weeks or so. Yeah, I think that was the regular board meeting of June that they had. So essentially, they voted to move forward, and if our board also votes to move forward, then it goes to the ROE for approval, and then it eventually goes to the people. So I think it's important to note, and a lot of people I think have misunderstood this, that the boards are not voting whether or not to combine. Uh, they're simply voting on whether or not to send this to the voters on a referendum and asking both taxi, taxing districts to vote on this to see if they want to do this. So even though it's a recommendation and the firm felt like it was a, an advantage to the students, staff, and uh, taxpayers, it's going to be left up to the taxpayers in both taxing districts. So I think that's a key point. Right. So, it, you know, you get the suggestion or recommendation from the, the, the folks that did the feasibility study. And then both boards separately have to agree to get it put on the ballot, which Joppa has. You know, we're we're next on that. We're not haven't decided yet. And then uh, beyond that, then it you know still goes through ROE for their own approval, and then you know go to the uh, uh, ask if it's a question on, you know, the the ballot. So uh, it's a long process, and this is certainly something that. You know, as you mentioned, this isn't something the board just decides and say, well, you know, hey, we're going to combine. No, it's got to go through a lot more hoops. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's the it really the way we're going about this. It, in the end, it should be up to the people that are uh, paying the part of the bills for the districts. The taxpayers in MassAC Unit 1 pay for one-third of our annual budget. Uh, so we get a little over $7 million in taxes from property tax, and that's a chunk of money. And I uh, know property taxes are are high in Massac County, so the voters should uh, should be able to weigh in on that. So really, that's when Massac Unit 1 meets to discuss this at their next regular meeting, uh, which will happen next Monday, July 25th. Uh, they will take that question up and decide whether they want to move it forward to the voters as well. Again, if they do vote and approve that, it simply moves on through the process, which eventually ends up with the, the voters of Massac County voting on it. And if the vote, if it does go to a ballot, 
Joppa Maple Grove, the voters in Joppa Maple Grove, and I think there's a little over a thousand or so uh, registered voters over there, they would have to approve that. And the voters of Massac Unit 1, which there are more of them, uh, but the majority of the voters would have to approve it there as well. If either taxing district, if the voters in either district do not approve it, then the issue dies and it's done. It's over. You know, the boards can't do anything to us. To make it happen at that point, uh, it's just done, and then uh, we move on. If both tax, uh, voters of both districts approve it, then it's, it happens. It doesn't happen immediately, but it does happen. So uh, there would be a timeline for that. And uh, the one thing that we, we should say, again, this is a big if, if annexation does occur, meaning that if Massac Unit 1 uh, were to annex Joppa Maple Grove 38, Joppa Maple Grove 38 would cease to exist as a district. Um, and then what would most likely happen, again, this is what we're, we're, we're seeing as of now, um, was that Maple Grove Elementary would just become another one of our uh, K-6 uh, school buildings. Um, the Joppa Junior High and high school students would likely attend Massac Junior High and Massac County High School. Um, all staff would become part of Massac Unit 1 and receive the same rate of pay as negotiated by the current collective bargaining agreement for Massac Unit 1. Um, or whatever the collective bargaining agreement may be at that time, you know, as, as we're saying, this is a timeline thing. So, yeah. um, and no, no, this is one thing I want to say, no staff would lose their employment because of this. None, none of our staff at Massac Unit 1 and none of the job and right. staff. I think it's important that there's a lot of uh, fear out there. And I, I obviously uh, understand that if I was a teacher at either district, I would be concerned about that. But there are mechanisms, there are funding sources built in from the state to help offset these added costs, because there would be an added cost to Massac Unit 1 when we move all the, the Joppa staff onto our pay scale, because as I understand it, our pay scale is a little higher in most areas, so um, most of the Joppa uh, staff would probably be getting more money in certain areas, and that that we would take a hit on that because Massac Unit 1 would be paying that. But at the same time, there are funding mechanisms to help offset that cost for the first few years or four years. Uh, and then I think um, attrition would help us with the rest. If we ended up having too many, you know, high school, whatever teachers, uh, eventually someone would retire and uh, then we simply wouldn't rehire them. So the, the plan is not to send anybody home. And I think also it's a key point. Nobody has said anything about closing Maple Grove. Uh, I do not think we have, even though the feasibility group recommended you know us annexing them and i don't think they recommended us moving everyone out of maple grove and and putting the kids somewhere else so we just don't have the uh we don't have the facilities for that yet now at some point uh if we ever build a new school there might be several buildings that close and that's kind of part of our vision we'll talk about later for the future of massac unit one uh but uh just because annexation may occur it doesn't mean maple grove goes away immediately I, that's not part of the plan that's never been discussed and that's kind of out there too so and kind of uh you know kind of getting into that point though there has been a lot of rumors and, and some miscommunication uh that's kind of going around out there and some of this may be for our own doing we should communicate clearly enough i guess is the reason why we're doing this um but one of the ones uh, that's kind of going around uh, is say, stating that we kind of need Joppa in order to build a new school. So do you want to talk about that? Yeah, and I, I think that's understandable because the question came up when we were discussing building a new school. So it's understandable why someone might think that. But that's simply not the case. Uh, we have been talking about building a new school as part of the vision for the future of Massac Unit 1 simply because we have schools uh, that were built originally in 1953 uh, and now in 
2022, uh, our, our demographics have changed, our population has shifted, uh, they're not in the locations where we need them, and so it would be advantageous for us to consolidate buildings so that we could put more students in one spot, so to speak, one location, so to speak, and then offer more programs there. Right now, we were so spread out, it, it's a hindrance, and it, it, uh, it's one of those obstacles that we fight with, trying to offer the same resources and the same opportunities to all students. So it, that's part of the vision for the future. But uh, whether we have Joppa Maple Grove in with MassEC or not, that, there is no bearing on that. We're going to move forward with that. That's part of the vision we've had uh, for years now. It's something that we simply are waiting for the state to help us out with. We do not have the money to build a new school. Uh, the state issues construction grants. We have utilized construction grants every time that we've built a school. We utilized them when we built Brookport Elementary, Metropolis Elementary, and Massac Junior High. Uh, there hasn't been a grant since 2004 or something like that, 2003. So it's overdue. We are waiting on that, and that's really the deciding factor. We will get that grant whether we have Joppa, Maple Grove or not, uh, and we will build a school if we get that grant. So that's really what that's about. I think some people have confused that issue. Now, obviously, if Joppa, Maple Grove was a part of our district when we get that grant, then that we would have to make uh, different accommodations, but it, it would not uh, have any bearing on whether or not we got the grant or built a school. We're going to do that either way. Yeah, one way or the other. Um, and we've already, you know, kind of discussed this next one uh, about Maple Grove closing if annexation occurs. That's, again, not the case. Um, you know, again, that would more be dependent upon the fact of if we did get a grant, we're able to build a new building and we were annexed. Right. I mean, there's a lot of different moving parts there. So... Uh, I think if you just look at it, I mean, obviously, if you haven't been in Franklin or Jefferson, uh, they're so small, it might seem like we could stick Maple Grove in there, but we can't. Right. That's just not going to happen. So we do not, we don't have the ability to close Maple Grove. So even if annexation occurred, Maple Grove is going to be there uh, uh, until there's some new facility or new opportunities. We just don't have it now. Right. And uh, we've already kind of addressed this one too, but uh, the rumor about the annexation taking effect immediately. Uh, again, that's not the case. There's a, a timeline for all the, these things, you know, to occur. And a lot, again, a lot of moving parts with all this. So, um, you know, we, we've kind of addressed those. Um, but leading into talking about building a new building, um, which is something, again, we've discussed, I believe our very first podcast that we ever did had to do with <laughs> building a new building. So, we've been talking about this for, yeah, I don't know, four or five that years. Was, uh, um, that was February of 2020. Um, so we've, we've, we've talked about it for a long time, even before then, but that was the first time we really addressed it in this format. Oh, yeah, uh, right. School, uh, school construction grant um, was signed into law this year, um, but the one big factor on that was the General Assembly did not actually pass the funding mechanism. Um, we can kind of get into some you know, reasons why there. It's because it's election year, they were an abbreviated session, whatever, you know, we're um, you know, because not, we live in Illinois. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? But uh, we, so we, we really don't have an answer for that one. However, uh, we do believe, or most of us tend to believe, that the funding will be passed during the spring session of the General Assembly. And that is the actual last step before the grant application can be released to us to fill out. So, yeah, I think it's important to note that, you know, we've been talking about this grant for over two years, I think. Uh, actually, I know it because we were talking about it before COVID and then COVID kind of put everything on pause in 2020. But um, it's been a long time coming and it feels like in a way it's never going to get here. But I think it's important to note that every piece 
has now been passed except the funding mechanism, which I, I think is just uh, selling bonds or something that they have to do or authorizing the sale of whatever. Uh, but I think, you know, they've taken incremental steps and it's taken a long time, but we are basically one step away from the Illinois State Board of Education issuing that grant application. And we are already on the list. So, I mean, it may sound like we're a little overconfident, but we've been on the school construction approved list since 2000. We're on the 2005 list. Right. So uh, we're pretty much, nothing's a guarantee in government and Illinois especially, but we're pretty much guaranteed to receive funding for a construction, uh, a school construction grant of some kind if they issue that application and we are one step away from that application being issued. Now it's an election year, so we don't look for that to happen this fall in the veto session. Uh, it will likely be the normal spring General Assembly, the session of the General Assembly, but uh, we're one step away and we're, we're talking to a lot of folks up there that seem like uh, they seem to think it's going to happen. So. Again, we have to have that construction grant. And just to put it in perspective, in case you don't know or or if you don't believe me, that I uh, understand. But a new high school has been estimated at about $90 million, and that was pre-COVID prices, so I'm sure it's 100 or more now. And an elementary was half that. So at the time we were looking at this pre-COVID, we were looking at $90 million to build a new high school or $45 million to build a new elementary. Uh, the elementary, they're both would house about the same amount of students. Uh, it just costs a whole lot more because of programming and spaces for high school. So that's that's why we do not have $90 million in the bank, nor do we have $45 million in the bank. And if we did, some taxpayers would be screaming right now. So we are trying to save up enough money right now to match because these construction grants are matching. They're matching grants, and we would have to match anywhere from 5 to 20%. Uh, and uh, when you start talking about $100 million, you start talking about a lot of dollars there. So we're trying to put money in the bank to be able to match that grant so that when that grant application comes out, we can apply, have the money ready, and, uh, you know, break ground. Yeah. And then we're that close. So. Um, so speaking of breaking ground, one thing that was approved last night at a, at a special school board meeting uh, that happened last night, uh, Monday, July 18th, uh, was uh, to build a new central office, new unit office. Um, again, part of our vision is to consolidate campuses. Um, our current unit office is located away from everyone else. Uh, you know, we're over here on Metropolis Street. Um, we're, we're not really near, I mean, really, maybe, what, a couple of miles from Metropolis Elementary? Yeah, you know, I don't know if it's a mile, a mile and a half, but yeah, we're, we're not really by a school. No. And, you know, the more campuses we have, that's just more... Uh, utility, more maintenance. You know, we're trying to consolidate this down, uh, and and I think there are a lot of reasons why we've been looking at this. This is well overdue. Uh, I think everybody hates to uh, spend money on something that a, like a unit office, which is just purely administrative. It's not something that students are going to be housed in. However, we have issues here with this building, which is almost 100 years old. Uh, it used to be Washington School, uh, so there's accessibility issues. Uh, we have stairs. Uh, we have a basement. We have a lot of wasted space because the basement, uh, we can't get it to stop leaking. So when it rains, there's water that runs in on the floor. Uh, we have some costly repairs that have been kicked down the road about as far as we can. All the windows in this building need to be replaced. A couple of them have almost fallen out. And, uh, and of course, we have a door bo boarded up. It's just the, the cost of main maintaining this building really is higher than... Uh, what it's worth to to actually maintain it so we're at that point and we have some new plans 
uh, the proposed site. Uh, Tom, if you want to explain. Sure, yeah. Proposed site would be uh, located in front of the high school. Um, if you're familiar with the high school, there was a house that we did own um, for several years uh, that we recently had demolished. Um, and so we've had some, you know, land clearing out and trying to get, you know, prepped for something. Um, it would be in that general area uh, in front of the high school if we were to build this um, there anyway. It would be in that general location. Uh, but we would actually have a boardroom where we can once I can have actual board meetings instead of <laughs> using it in the gym or the library at the high school or wherever we you know being, being able to kind of just you know doing these 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 you know spaces as we can um, and then we'd actually have and I think this is a good point ample dry storage you mentioned you know whenever it rains it leaks and it does here quite often so um, we're trying to you know we have there's certain student records we have to maintain forever. Um, you know, and like I said, we've, we've had some of these student records, you know, the date back to the 1930s and 40s that we're trying to, <laughs> trying to make sure that we still have. So, um, you know, and, and that they're in a safe space, um, safer than, you know, kind of where we're at now. So uh, yeah, there's, a, there's a lot of reasons. It is, it is costly, though. I mean, building anything in this day and age is costly. So we're trying to uh, use some funding that we already had set aside for some other projects that we were able to use some COVID stimulus money on. So that helped. Uh, and so a lot of this is coming about because we've had some extra stimulus money. But I do think uh, another key point too, Tom, we've talked about our declining enrollment for years and there's not as many kids at MassEC Unit 1 as there once was. We've lost over 400 in the last uh, six or seven years. Um, and I think it's an important note that new and prospective students or parents of students, the first stop is generally the unit office because they have to prove residency, they have to bring in paperwork. Uh, and I think uh, it may help, uh, especially if families, we've had families come and tour our schools that were thinking of moving here. Uh, it, it certainly seems like it would help if we had a little bit updated unit office, which is the first stop for them uh, when they come here to look at our school district. And maybe that would help, uh, you know, a little bit uh, to reassure parents and students that uh, we are a modern school district and we're providing a good quality education, which I do believe we are. I'm just not so sure that this building um, <laughs> portrays that very well. So that's another reason. But there we got a lot of issues there. But we're, we're hoping to get that project started and maybe even break ground in October. Uh, of course, that's probably wishful thinking the way things go these days. But uh, that would consolidate our campuses. We would have basically one campus that has the high school, the junior high, and the unit office in it. And maybe eventually our field of dreams would uh, come to fruition and we would have another school over there. And then we'd still kind of have one main campus there. Yeah, yeah which yeah, would, really, would really help matters. Um, let's uh, move forward uh, to uh, one thing. Uh, you know, obviously I've been a big part of this. The Promethean active panel installation um, and what these are uh, they're, they're between 65 and 75 inch they look like large flat screen TVs uh, but they're all interactive touch uh, these are what we're using to replace uh, our current projector setup um, they're very versatile um, so there's a lot of different things you know other than just uh, yeah we can we can put a movie on them for sure but it's an interactive whiteboard um, we can use various apps with them um, it's just a, a very neat, uh, very, very useful, you know, tool for the classroom. So we're trying to upgrade that way. We have enough for, you know, every classroom. Um, but these were funded through um, yeah, ESSER money. If, I don't know if you want to dive Yeah, that, that is actually uh, part of the ARP. So that was ESSER 3, American Rescue Plan. 
Uh, and uh, part of that had to do with the technology to help uh, combat the uh, learning loss that uh, resulted from the, the COVID years. And so uh, this we saw that as an opportunity to put these in every classroom. Uh, and I, I don't think we've been trying to keep track of a list. And I know if, if there are any staff members watching this, we haven't add, updated that list because we've had multiple people installing these. So we've had uh, there are there are more installed than what show up on that list because Tom and I have not been to classrooms. That I know some of the maintenance personnel have installed them in, but uh, we still have a lot to go. Uh, we're going to make that happen, but uh, you should be hearing more of that uh, from your students if you're a parent uh, of these uh, interactive boards. They're pretty they're pretty nice. Uh, they can do a whole lot with them. I wish I had them when I was a teacher. But we're gonna we're keep we're gonna keep working on that, um, and we have uh, been held up a little bit too by the uh, at least for the high school installations uh, due to the HVAC uh, installation going on there. Um, so that's kind of where we stand with that. But we are working on it, and uh, maintenance is working on it, and we'll uh, we'll get there. Um, I'm gonna dive in real quickly to some registration options for returning students. We've talked about this before, actually. I believe our last podcast, last podcast we did. Uh, we do have online re-registration. Uh, it's open. Um, so if you are a parent or guardian of a student returning uh, of student returning in grades 1 through 12 uh, for the 22-23 school year, um, this is available for you. Um, again, that is under the pretense that they finished the 21-22 school year as a student here. So uh, they had to have finished 21-22 school year here and then uh, they'll be eligible for this. Um, but this, the forms are pre-populated. Uh, these can be completed from work or home. They generally doesn't doesn't take any more than about 10, 15 minutes tops, um, if that. It's uh, the, the forms are really filled out, and it's a lot of just saying yes to a lot of our standard questions. Um, the uh, uh, information is available on our website under uh, massac.org. There's a couple different registration links um, on there that you can click. And um, as far as in-person registration goes, uh, this is open to anyone that just could not complete the online registration, uh, whether that's due to timing or however, um, or if you do have a, you know, a kindergarten age student, uh, you know, those are also not available. Or if you're a returning student that you haven't been here for a couple of years, for example, um, those you do have to show up in person to do that. Um, so the uh, in-person registration, again, is open to anyone that could not complete their online registration for whatever reason. Um, and however, it is uh, required for high school students due to schedules, schedule changes, parking permit decals, so forth. Um, so just want to run through some dates and times real quick here. Um, In-person registration will be available at Brookport, Franklin, Jefferson, Metropolis Elementary, and Unity Elementary Schools um, on August the 4th. Uh, that is correct, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. August 4th from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. And then again on August the 5th from 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. Yeah, that's uh, Thursday and Friday, I believe, of, of the first week of August. And then it the, looks like the following week here, right, for mm -hmm. in-person. Okay. So uh, in-person registration will be available at Massac Junior, Junior High School on August the 9th from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Mm -hmm. and August the 10th from 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. Basically uh, the last two days before school starts. Right. For students, yes. Mm -hmm. Registration fee for K-8 students is $17. Um, again, that can be also paid online if you did online uh, mm -hmm. registration, um, if you have to pay that fee. You know, I think it's important, too. Some, I've had some parents uh, a little unsure about paying online, and so they asked if they could, they can complete the entire 
uh, registration online and then still come in and just pay their fees. Yes, that's correct. Yep, yep. The the fee the fee portion in in our system Alma that does the online registration and student information is entirely separate of that process. So yeah, you can pay that in person. That's absolutely fine. No big deal. And then the uh, the secretary can mark paid there, and then right that'll right. fall off of the Alma stuff. Yep, yep. Or if it's waived, we will remove that. Uh, the again, the secretary. Well, that's a good point. And even if you fill it out online, there is a fee waiver form that you have to fill out. Um, and all we ask is if you fill that out, do not pay the fee yet. We have to actually review that and either approve or disapprove that. And if we approve it, the fee actually goes away, and you won't see that online anymore. Correct, Tom? Uh, yeah, uh, that's. Um uh the the once the fee is waived once it's approved the waive thing yeah it falls off basically it come, becomes voided right so it'll uh then they'll know they don't have to exactly once the once it once it's approved it'll show up as a void and you you know you won't have to pay that uh Massa county high school registration uh will be from these following times 8 30 to 11 a.m and 12 30 to 2 p.m um do you want to discuss this in terms of timing and days and we're, we're really hoping yeah. that this is yeah this is uh uh we're, this is going to be tight <laughs> yeah. because uh for the and for those of you who don't know we are replacing all heating and air units at the high school this summer uh, which is a real tight timeline for that there were over 60 units total that are coming out of the ceilings and being replaced and on the roof uh, and then they have to put in a new ceiling grid and all of that. So they are coming along and we are progressing uh, and on schedule. However, there there will be some construction going on at the high school. The main hall will be open for that. Uh, and we can uh, we can uh, uh, we can basically get students and parents in the main hall and into the cafeteria. So that will work. Uh, and uh, we have just like always, the high school is splitting it up by grade level. So the first day is um, for the returning upcoming seniors and juniors so if your student's going to be in the 11th or 12th grade this coming school year they will register on thursday august 4th uh, if they are a 10th grader they're going to be a 10th grader or going to be a sophomore they'll register on friday august 5th and then monday august 8th is for the incoming freshmen those who were eighth graders last year so they divide it by grade level and just be careful when you go in there we won't be able to uh, take you around the school or show you around that day like normal because of the construction in the hallways however uh, we have been reassured that by the time we do the uh, freshman orientation um, uh, which is i believe on the ninth uh, the night of the ninth i believe uh, or it could yeah i think it's the ninth um it's on the website but uh, they they assured us that you will be able to go up the halls and freshmen will be able to to kind of go through and see where their classrooms are so it's going to be a little tight right now uh, it's a huge project that's underway but uh, we're trying to get the hvac replaced and uh, with newer efficient units and better air quality and that was also a part of the uh, ARP ESSER 3 grant, uh, which is, it was a three or four million dollar project. So it's a big, big project. Uh, registration fee for high school students is $20. Again, that can be paid online or paid in person, however. Uh, the one thing that must be paid in person, and this has to do with the fact that you're actually receiving a decal on this one, that has to be paid in person, is the annual parking pass. Uh, for those students that do drive and do park a car at the high school lot, that's $15. That has to be paid in person because they will be handed a um, it's a, a sticker or whatever. That yeah, it's a little decal that hangs from their mirror. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, so 
that that's that's why that is that way. Um, right now, online re-registration is open. That'll be open until Monday, August the eighth, um, twenty twenty-two, um, and I think that's going to be pretty set in stone with that because that's basically the Monday right before all of our staff comes back. Uh, the students' first day um, is August eleventh, twenty twenty-two. Um, we do have two in-service days prior to that, August 9th and 10th, um, and uh, we'll, uh, in-person registration dates are posted online. We've already discussed those, um, but again, the online re-registration is open now, um, and uh, that goes in through August the 8th, and then we'll, uh, we'll have to close that up um, with the new school year starting. So. Um, is there anything else before we close this up? No, I think I just, uh, if you are a parent of a returning student, um, save yourself some time and look at that online registration. It is a lot easier and you can do it from the comfort of your own home or work and you don't have to fight the crowd. And, and especially at, at some schools with larger schools with more kids, it, it's time consuming and you have to wait in line. So if you, any of that that you can do online, I definitely would encourage you to try to do so. Tom has some really good tutorials some videos and some step-by-step -step help files on the website uh, under the registration documents to help you through that. And you can also email uh, the help there. I think there's an email listed there to receive some help if you get stuck. So uh, please uh, take a look at that and save yourself some time for the registration. And, and you can even pay your fees online and never leave your your living room chair. You know, So that, I think that's something to we just want to make sure you know it, you're aware that it's out there and uh, all these other issues. I'm sure we'll have more um, soon. Uh, we might try to do another one after our next board meeting if, if something new comes up. Uh, we'll have to wait and see how that goes. And then we are getting very, very close to the start of school. Uh, the kids return on August 11th, which is a 2 p.m. dismissal. And then we will be uh, rolling in the 2022-2023 school year. And before you know it, we'll be at Christmas time again. It just, just time just keeps on going. It sure does. But I appreciate you guys uh, listening to us, and hopefully we've explained a couple things, and we'll continue to try to do so uh, in the future. Well, thanks again for listening. Have a great day.